0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by sleeping with a body pillow at night because you're an unlovable human being and nobody will actually sleep with you.
1: I, I sleep with a body pillow.
0: Because you're an unlovable human being <laughs> and nobody will actually sleep with you. Oh. I kind of realized what, it, what this was or needed to be was uh, like a, a Puritan's dream, a Puritan's nightmare. Mm. If, if I could uh, upload um, a Puritan's nightmare directly into the audience's mind's eye, that would be the goal. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Hello. I'm Frank. I'm Zach. And today we are not talking about a movie. Nope. But talking. instead we are talking about the people who make the movies that we like. Which is more important in a sense. <laughs> yes. Um, so we have decided to go down our top five directors list, starting at number five and working our way down to number one.
1: Yeah. So we decided that this will be like kind of like a mini series. Instead of just trying to cram everything into one episode or two episodes. Right. So we're going to do number five. And then next week we'll do number four. And then next week we'll do number three. And then we'll do number four again the following week. I knew you are going to say some bullshit. <laughs> and then we'll do number 10, but we didn't even prepare for 10. <laughs> and then we'll trail off and start talking about flour.
0: Apparently you can get E. coli from flour. Did you know that? <laughs> if you eat flour, you can get E. coli. That's bullshit. Um, so.
1: Yes. My pick. Yeah, you want to go first? Sure. Okay.
0: Uh, My pick is Robert Eggers, Mm -hmm. director of The Lighthouse and The Witch. Mm -hmm. And I was very, very torn about if I was going to actually include Robert Eggers. This was a tough list, man. This is a very, very tough list to make. And, you know, it started off and I was like, all right, this would be easy. Like, (laughs) I know. I got number one, number two. And then, like, once you hit number three, you're like, huh. And number four, number five. And you have all this list of Mm -hmm. people. And I'm like, fuck. I'm like. I, I did know. the
1: opposite. I I did number five, and then I was like,
0: "Fuck! I only have four left." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So I was really, really hesitant on actually putting Robert Eggers in my num- my top five list, mm. just because he's so new. Yeah. And he only has two full features underneath his belt, you know, and you know, The Witch in 2015, The Lighthouse in 2019, and I was just like kind of battling with my with myself as if like can i actually put him in my top 5 list and then not include some of the true greats yeah and i think kind of just what it came down to was the way i did it was i rewatched both of his movies mm-hmm. over the past week and you know both years in 2015 and in 2019, he made my favorite films of those years. 2015, by far, The Witch was my favorite movie of that year. Yeah. And then last year, The Lighthouse was hands down. It was between that and Parasite. But I mean, Parasite was fantastic. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. this movie, I mean, The Lighthouse for me just truly spoke mm-hmm. on so many levels. And I was like, I, I he just, it's just my favorite movie of that year. And yeah. I can't. So like all of that being said it came to the you know culmination of I think I feel confident in his work mm-hmm. and what he's going to be doing in the future and then listening to interviews with him about how he does his like research and and just what he does in preparation for films I decided that I'm going to put him in as my number five.
1: Yeah. And let's not forget, too, like, the man made his first feature in 30 days. Correct. Like,
0: that's... With, like, six years or five years of research and screenwriting.
1: And all natural lighting for the witch. Yeah. So, like, you you really, like... To do something like that is incredible. Like, he he's up there with, like... He's in the same boat for me as, like, Alex Garland, where... Alex Garland only has like two films under his belt as well, but they're just fucking great films. Yeah. But yeah, no, like like you said, like the Lighthouse checked every single box that I loved in a film, and it was really hard to decide. But like Robert Eggers is fucking great. Really, really for his
0: two films, like he's
1: fantastic.
0: So I kind of broke it down as to as to why I liked him Mm -hmm. in four categories. Um, So the first category is that he is a Mm writer-director. So something that always I just respect the shit out of um, a director is when they also create their own original material. So, of course, you know, there are tons and tons of fantastic directors, Kubrick, Scorsese, you know, tons of them out there that even Paul Thomas Anderson, right? Like, There Will Be Blood is based off of a book by... uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name right now, but it's based off of a book Dr. called Seuss. Oil. Dr. Seuss. No. <laughs> um, and that, you know, so like, yeah, those movies are great and and all, but you're taking already, you're already taking material that exists and then just converting it into a film. Yeah. Which, ins- that, you know, that can be difficult, but I feel like coming up with a completely original story by yourself and you're, you're just using your imagination and going, you know, off of that, it's I much already harder. respect, like, you so much more, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then his his next feature film that seems to be already in pre-production, The, the Northerner with, you know, that whole like... Uh, the Northman. Vi- yeah, The Northman. Um, and that all has to do with, like, Vikings and, you know, nor- you know, all of that. Like, yeah. that's going to be a completely original story. So, yeah, I mean, he comes up with extremely original screenplays. Uh, I can't think of anybody else who who makes any films like him uh you know i mean in my opinion his the, the way that he uses his dialogue you know mm-hmm. like he, he writes in like period dialogue and all that i just love it he really makes mm-hmm. like thought-provoking films you know every time that i leave the theater with him i always end up feeling like I, it's never just like okay like i watched that movie now like onto the next or anything like that like his he, he has those movies where they really stick with you mm-hmm. and they really just make you think for a little bit and it, you know they always kind of invite you to go back and re-watch it multiple times yeah which is something that i absolutely love
1: that's why like with the lighthouse like when i went to first see it like i was stuck on it for like a good like two days just really like processing the whole film. Yeah,
0: I mean, granted, like that's another. You know, I love how like metaphorical his movies can be. You know, like he, you know, basically wrote the the tale of Prometheus. Yeah, in the lighthouse, and it's like, uh, yeah, like give that to me. Like I want all of that. You know, and like it, it, I, I like that it's he, that he does it in a way where he doesn't hit you over the head with it. Where mm-hmm. it's like, you if you have if you don't know anything about greek mythology you don't know anything about um any type of mythology at all Mm. you can still enjoy the lighthouse yeah as Mm. just a like a dark sea you know like they're at a lighthouse and then just two guys just fighting and and you know like all that tension building up yeah you can enjoy it like that and then also if you do understand greek mythology then you get a little bit extra out of it
1: yeah you know that Zeus, for the most part, just likes to turn into animals and bang And bang women. people, yeah.
0: Um, and then I would say that he is probably one of the most... I don't know. I, he is one of my favorite horror directors now mm-hmm. working because he doesn't do the jump scares. He doesn't yeah. do the bullshit, like, cheap thrills or anything like that. Like, he is really, really taking his time with his craft and, and really making thoughtful movies in which he knows that I, I i don't i don't know if i would say that he's that he's making intelligent films mm-hmm. but he he, did, he is definitely an intelligent man who does intelligent filmmaking but i don't think that you have to be intellectual to also just enjoy his films like there yeah. is that aspect of it where people could say oh he's a little you know he's uh he he's just full of himself and you know he he he's he thinks he's really really smart but i think that He just, he is really, really smart, but he's also, he also like, look, at the end of the day, I would, I would say that if, if he, if he thought he was like way too, if he thought, if he was like in that, in that like Lars von Trier (laughs) kind of, you you know what I mean? Where it's like, I'm sick of, you know, I like, he thinks that he's a fucking genius. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I think, you know, it's the lighthouse, the lighthouse, he's not opposed to like fart jokes. Yeah, you know what I mean, and like just jerking off and like things (laughs) like that. Like it's all just he's super. I think self aware, but he also does have that aspect of like intelligence. Mm -hmm. So that's that's part one. I don't know. Do you have how did you break yours down? Uh, Did you break yours down?
1: Not really. So what I did was like I picked my director, and then I researched like his most notable films and like where he got his start. Okay, and then. A couple of like fun facts and then also um, uh, a quote from him like in interviews. Okay. so what I did.
0: You want me to just keep going then? Yeah, you can keep going and then I'll go into mine. All right. So um, I kind of actually, I'm like, I'm also breaking my directors down as to like what I find them to be, like what's like their strong suit kind Mm -hmm. of for each. And I think like every director that I chose has like their own individual thing. So I'm calling Robert Eggers like the king of atmosphere um so what i mean by that is you know again the witch you like you said is all done in like natural lighting Mm -hmm. and you did a lot more research than i did for mine (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna Uh, have shit to talk about um you know things that like things that really build his worlds Mm -hmm. so you know for the witch it was like the you know like the woods that 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 he um found out, like, so the, the movie is supposed to take place in, like, New England, but it, they actually went out to Canada and filmed because they that's where they were able... A, it just had... It was just, like, financially more... It just made more sense for them. Mm. Um, and then they also just happened to find, like, just this area out in the middle of Canada that was, like, just... Like, it, I mean, it's perfect. Like, the witches... Um, set is just perfect. Yeah. Um. You know the witch's house that like is like when when it's uh in the woods and you and you know what I'm talking about, right? We, yeah. Where we, it's like
1: in the ground almost. It's, where It's like a little hut.
0: It's it's got like a very kind of like Gretel and Hansel kind of vibe to mm-hmm. it. Um. And then also like the farm that they kind of like live on in their house. I don't know. It just the whole atmosphere of the witch is fantastic. And then going into the lighthouse, it's like that lights, that actually wasn't even a real lighthouse they built that lighthouse for the like for oh, really? yeah so like it, that was like the that was on location mm-hmm. but they were like we you know at the end of the day it's like he needs to get his camera and like the film crew inside the lighthouse so actual real lighthouses just weren't big enough for like mm-hmm. everybody to get into and, and all that. So they had to build their own lighthouse and it's not made out of real brick or anything like that. It was all like veneer, but I thought you were going to say styrofoam <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> blew over a wind gust doesn't go by, <laughs> Um, you know. So and then, of course, I love like uh, going with the atmosphere, you know, like when in Lighthouse, he filmed it on actual 35 millimeter Mm -hmm. film. He didn't do it digitally. He used only like old school antique lenses. So he was he wasn't using like modern day technology really at all. He was using all old shit. And then, of course, you know, like the aspect ratio was like that really boxy aspect yes, ratio, which, which was really ma- cool, which makes you feel like super claustrophobic. Um, you know, he did it in black and white. So I don't know, just the whole thing. Just I, I feel like there aren't really many directors out there that can convey the atmosphere that Robert Eggers conveys in his film. And I, and I love that. I love that as soon as a Robert Eggers movie comes on between the two, I almost feel like I can now say. As soon as you see, like, the opening shot, it's like, this is a Robert Eggers movie. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he already has his thumbprint on it, which I love. Uh, And then I like his... I like how he writes very novelistic. So I was doing a lot of research on how he writes. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, I to am um, trying to write a screenplay as you know yeah and i think that i probably kind of fall in the 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 realm of how robert eggers writes in which it's a lot of details um so basically he did he does lots and lots of details like to the point where he even like describes like odors and things like that the characters in the film at that particular scene are like should be smelling and like Stuff like that, like it's just very, very, very detailed. You know, the, the scene of Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe in the lighthouse when, when they, when as soon as he gets onto the island, and mm-hmm. then you know, like in the trailer where they're just like standing together, shoulder to shoulder, and they're just like looking at the camera. Yeah. And then in the movie, they're like watching the boat leave. Mm-hmm. That alone, you know, that that alone could have just been written as like, okay, they stare at the camera and they watch, and they they, they watch the boat leave. But in reality, he actually wrote like a full like a full-blown paragraph of like what each individual person was thinking you know what i mean like what each character was thinking and how they were feeling Mm -hmm. so i really really love although these things don't get they, they don't like you don't see that in the actual movie you don't actually like know what they're thinking i think it's important for like the characters to know you know what I mean yeah so he he, he go he, d- he really goes like that extra mile with giving like details so the actors truly truly understand like what's going on in the mind of the character
1: kind of like what uh, Guillermo del Toro did for Crimson Peak okay where, like he gave Tom Hiddleston oh, Charlie right, Hunnam, right. and everybody yeah. like a full character sheet of like what they like what they dislike how they act everything yeah. like that and you
0: know I you know doing all this research I'm, I'm realizing how different fantastic directors are so like Paul Thomas Anderson who's one of my favorites Mm -hmm. I love his dialogue and I love his films he is very opposite with his screenplays and where he doesn't give you anything Mm -hmm. he basically just writes the lines and then that's it so he kind of is like more in that in that realm of you know my my actors aren't really reading that because they're just trying to memorize their lines mm-hmm. so why am I going to write it it's not if, if, if it's not going to be shown in the movie if I can't show it then I'm not going to write it yeah and then Robert Eggers and like Tarantino right Tarantino is notorious for like just creating entire worlds around their around his characters and having so many details mm-hmm. I think Robert Eggers kind of like falls right in like that perfect middle area where he's not like overly detailed, where it's to the point of like, this is exhausting, but it's enough that the characters and the actors understand like who they are, where, where they're coming from. Yeah. So I appreciate that. And it makes a, a more engaging screenplay to read because I like to read screenplays as well. So I, I own like the witch, the, the screenplay for the witch. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's just better if, if you're trying to read a screenplay and all you have is character line, character line, camera movement here, you know, blocking here, blah, 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 blah. It's just not that engaging to read, but when it's written more like a book mm-hmm. and it's like, this is what the character is thinking, this is this is their thoughts, this is blah blah blah, like it just makes it a lot more enjoyable, you know? Um, and then, you know, I think that he's really, really although his dialogue is kind of tough, mm-hmm. I think it's very engaging.
1: It is like it. It is a very hard, like yield English for both the witch and the lighthouse. And I'm
0: sure the Viking one is going to be fucking rough. Oh too. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like
1: Northman, like I'm not going into it assuming that like I can get every little piece of dialogue. Yeah. But like you said, like it is very engaging. It is very cool because not a lot of people like are doing it right now. Yeah. And the the best part about it is that like he's adding it to this world that it makes sense to do it. He's not just throwing it in because like, oh, like, let me use the old English because like, it sounds cool. Yeah, He's using it because these are period pieces where these people would actually speak like that and using it effectively too.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I think they're, you know, having that balance of, you know, the dialogue in which it's kind of tough to hear or Mm -hmm. try to kind of tough to understand, but still once you get through that barrier of what they're saying and you understand what they're saying it really really truly makes the movie so much better and, and and for me i'm fully engaged the entire time uh and then you know i think that like the performances that he pulls out of his uh, actors mm-hmm. i mean in my personal opinion probably Willem defoe's best performance i've ever seen
1: yeah absolutely i i would say the same for robert pattinson
0: yeah, you, yeah, exactly. That's what you, I, I kind of bounce back and forth between good time and, and this. No. Nope, this. Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> uh, Definitely this. So, Anya Taylor-Joy, who played Thomason in The Witch, you know, the main, she, her, that's still, in my opinion, you know, she's kind of blown up s- since The Witch. Yeah, um, I just saw but,
1: like a, a trailer for her like the other day. Yeah, she's in, like, oh, she, fuck. she's in everything now.
0: Yeah. Uh, And that, this was kind of like her start, but I still t- haven't seen her surpass the witch yeah. the witch's performance i just i don't know i maybe i'm a little biased in, in my opinion of that but that's totally fine because we have a podcast you don't <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but i don't know for me and taylor joy's performance in the witch is truly truly just amazing mm-hmm. um and then my last little thing here is basically just i i love that he is obsessed with like history Mm -hmm. and like folk tales and mythology. And he uses all of that in his films. We've talked
1: before about like the witch where like he did so much, so much research on it. And and I don't want to
0: go like into too much detail about that because we'll be here forever. Um, But if you're interested, you know, you can find it yourself on like all the stuff that he did about the, the the literal years of preparation Mm -hmm. for it. Um, But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I really, I really like how he kind of just like weaves like the mythology and the folktales into reality. So and he and he does it so effortless effortlessly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so like I love Greek mythology. So like watching the lighthouse and, and like making these parallels with like Greek mythology, I was like, my mind was just like, Oh my God, this is amazing. This is like, this is so, so good. Still wasn't Lovecraftian. Still wasn't Lovecraftian. But, uh, and then, you know, with like the witch, it's like the old folk tales of, you know, Hansel and Gretel Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And it's like stuff that we, you know, we, we knew as a kid and then he's taking it and going more along the lines of like the original stories because they actually are very dark. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just kind of like ramping it up and then you know he made the whole like satanic thing i don't know man he just makes very very like thought-provoking films that to this you know i don't know many directors There, there's a there's a very very select handful of directors out there that are actually trying to make films that are art pieces yeah you know there are so many directors out there that just make movies a for money and b just because they can at this point, they're like, "Yeah, I'll just you know make this make make this stupid comedy, make this whatever." And you know, I'm I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm like fatigued with, I'm I'm very very fatigued with okay movies. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> like I just don't want
1: it anymore. It's like
0: you know what? I, yeah, like I I almost find them more offensive than bad films. Like I feel like for the most part, movie, when movies are truly bad. Mm-hmm.
1: You can find some good in them. There's
0: something going on. Like, you can see, like, what the director was trying to do here. Like, maybe maybe he, like, really, really swung for the fences and it just didn't land. But at least he was trying or she was trying. And then you have, like, great films like The Witch and The Lighthouse where he really swung for the fences and he nailed it. But there's, like, this medium... You know there's like middle point where there's just like passable movies I guess is what I would call them where like they they they're good enough to keep your attention mm-hmm. but they aren't really it's just kind of like you watch it and then you just kind of move on to the next yeah, thing forget about it. and I and I am fatigued by that mm-hmm. and that's why I'm not going to the theater nearly as much as I used to now I'm like really really like, very, very particular with where I'm going to spend my money on, right? So, like, I have my select directors that I keep an eye out for, and I know, like, okay, when they come out with a film, I'm going to go see them uh, and and whatnot. And then, okay, I'd, I've never heard of this director. Let me do some research on them, who they are, what types of other movies have they done. If they have done other movies, what type of, you know, what type of research went into their film and, you know, whatever, and, and looking at, like, reviews and blah, 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 just to, like, make my decision a little bit, more clear yeah and and a little bit more like finite i want to i want to just have you know i don't i hate there's nothing worse than going to a movie and then you know spending fucking now it's like
1: 15 bucks
0: a ticket yeah. you know so then by the time you're done with it you're already 50 bucks in the hole and then like you you leave the theater and you're like okay you know yeah that was fine i guess so
1: yeah that was a that was a two-hour event
0: yeah it's like whatever it's, it's, just, it's just a whatever movie so i'm really really just getting annoyed by passable <laughs> films um but robert eggers i don't think is making passable films i think he's making fantastic films absolutely uh and that's why he made my top five list
1: very nice frank thank you you're welcome all right my turn <laughs> all right so i didn't nearly as prepare as much as frank <laughs> did for it uh so again really hard to kind of like Try and figure out who I wanted for my top five. In the end, a lot of my stuff goes based off of like nostalgia and also what I felt like as a child were movies that like had come out and you were like, these are gonna live on forever. Yeah. Like these are films that like will stick with you forever, which is why for number five, I picked Ridley Scott. Now, Ridley Scott is. To me, like a really cool director. Obviously, a lot of people know him for the Alien franchise, yeah, and that is where like his meat and potatoes are. But like while doing research, like he's he's been involved and, like directed like some other really fantastic films. I mean, I'm looking at his his at filmography. His, it's, I'm it's, looking at it right now. He's it's got crazy. A, he's got
0: 190 producer credits. Yeah, which is insane and then he's got 60 director credits which is insane.
1: Yeah, so like his very first film was The Duelist uh which came out in 1977. I've never seen The Duelist, but I do know that it is like a very well-known film. Harvey um, tell. Yeah. Yeah, uh he's he's done The Martian. Yeah. with um that's a fun Damon. movie, man. Yeah. That really yeah. is a fun movie. It, it's a really cool film. He's done Black Hawk Down, which is one of the more, like, I would say for, like, this decade, one of the the more known war movies. Yeah. He was involved with Hannibal. Not as good as Silence of the Lambs, but I really enjoy Hannibal. Hannibal's cool. I like Hannibal. Especially, like, with the pig scene. Yeah. Where, like, they just eat the fuck out of the guy. Yeah. Um, Blade Runner. I fucking, mean, Blade
0: Runner is... I mean, you know, people, like you said, like he's probably most synonymous known uh, and being known for Alien. But for me, Blade Runner, Blade Runner. Yeah, you it's so hard to like because
1: while I was doing research, I was like, holy fuck, like I had no idea that he was he was the director for this. But it fits so perfectly. You didn't know with, that he directed Blade Runner, no, but oh, like okay. it fits so perfectly with his style. Yeah, because he has like this very like sci-fi feel to everything. Right, and I mean you kind of you, you did the thing for like for Robert Edgards with like the king of atmosphere. I would put Ridley Scott's name in like the realm of like the king of sci-fi. Mm. Like he really has like defined a genre. With like some of his films, right, and then of course too, like he he directed Gladiator, which yeah. honestly, I think young, Gladiator's okay. It's an okay film. It is, in my opinion, one of Russell Crowe's better performances. Yeah. And by the way,
0: Russell Crowe is so fat now. Yeah, you seen him? Yeah, he's. He, bad I don't know. Now. I don't know if it's because like he's doing it for <laughs> roles or what's going on, but that boy has gotten
1: big. Yeah, but he was chiseled. <laughs> he was. Sculpted out of Greek gods himself <laughs> in Gladiator, and you had young Joaquin Phoenix in it too. Yeah, which a fun fact too. Like he actually cast his wife, uh, Gianna Fascio as um, I don't fucking know somebody in in Gladiator. <laughs> that we really did our research here. Is that? <laughs> I told you I didn't do that much. <laughs> but um, and then I don't know if you've ever seen the movie too. Like it's an okay film, but. I, I think the character itself is more synonymous with the film than anything. But if you've ever seen the movie Legend.
0: Oh, it's, um, a, it's the, the one where he's like hunting
1: uh, demons. No, 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 no. Uh, le- well, kind of actually. Uh, he's, like a, he's like an angel, right? Legend is the one of the, the man like going to save like his his girlfriend from the literal devil. But it's the devil with like the massive fucking horns.
0: Trying to like find it.
1: There's there's some crazy statues of it that you can find, but like the horns on the devil himself in legend are out of this fucking world. Like if he turns too quickly, you're getting an eye poked out.
0: Oh, I've I've never seen this movie.
1: So that movie was like and I again I didn't know that Ridley Scott did that. It was Tim Curry though. Yeah. Yeah. I love me some Tim Curry. He plays the devil in it. Nice. And it's such a cool film because it's like, you know, you have this old school no pun intended, legend story yeah, where it's just, you know, an ultimate evil has taken the girl and the ultimate pure guy has to go and try and save her. Mm. But throughout the film, it kind of becomes more of like a love story of the devil and the girl, kind of like a, an old school, like Bella Lugosi Dracula type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she starts, like, by the end, like, starting to wear, like, all this black clothing and like the, the crown of like thorns and everything like that. Yeah. And he's almost like turned her. That's cool. And then the, the guy just comes in and is like, Hey, I'm here to save you. Oh, <laughs> fuck! Oh, <you. All> right.
0: <laughs>
1: and then still somehow tries to like rescue her. But it's one of those movies where it's like, nobody really remembers it, but I remember it. Yeah. And it was to me when watching it for the first time. I was like, this is actually like kind of cool film. Yeah. But again, the meat and potatoes is alien franchise. The man has spent decades at this point creating a world of like xenomorphs and face huggers, and it's incredibly because like he's put so much time and effort into it to honestly like he he's just making like books almost of like the lore, yeah but 90% of it isn't seeing the light of day in a film. Yeah. Which to me like is he's a man of his craft cuz he's created this universe. He wants to expand on it more. He realizes that not all the time he's going to be able to create a film to like enhance it and showcase like what his world is becoming, but he's doing this because he really really cares about really it.
0: Like, I mean that's really like what matters the most at the end of the day is I think what truly makes a great director great is the passion mm-hmm. that they put into it. And like you just said, like 90% of the stuff that he, that he's doing isn't even seeing the light of day, but that's not stopping him from doing it.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he's creating like diagrams and like going really in depth on like how certain creatures like function and how they would become. Yeah. And like, especially too with like the whole Prometheus thing which I don't know if you saw Prometheus. It's um, it's all right. Between Prometheus and Alien Covenant like his newest films, there's weird like there's just this weird disconnect that yeah. I don't know if he still needs to make another film to like really connect it all. Yeah, there is but
0: definitely it, th- those uh, in like the alien world. Those are definitely like not the strongest. No. Um and there is kind of like exactly what you said like this disconnect Prometheus has a cool concept it's to a it. really really cool concept about like the gods creating us and then hate and then like hating that how we turned out and then trying to destroy us mm-hmm. and that's really really like incredible honestly it's a really really cool concept i just don't think it was executed that well i think um but like, the, the fucking scene where like it's like her uh, the abortion scene i think oh it is. yeah yeah oh yeah. man yeah this with the day giant octopus that looking shit thing? is
1: crazy yes and you know what, like, I honestly, like, I love his stuff with, like, Xenomorphs, but had you made that, like, a standalone, like, franchise, like, not connect it in any way to Alien, yeah, I think it would have turned out a lot better, because, like, it's just Ridley Scott making another passion project of, like, something dark and sci-fi-esque. Yeah, you,
0: and then having to, like, connect the dots back to Alien, yeah, maybe it's kind of, like, like kind of handicapping it a little.
1: Yeah, like, I mean... I don't know, like you, you really, especially that end of credit stinger with the Xenomorph where it's like, this is like the first formed one, which I always loved the idea of them because they, and I really noticed it weirdly enough from one of the more recent Mortal Kombat games where they put a Xenomorph in it and he looked way too much like Baraka, the the character with like the swords in his, his wrist. Yeah. And then I came to find out that how xenomorphs kind of function is first form is like they're the face huggers and they connect to like any living thing. And the xenomorphs themselves, because they're a combination of their DNA and whatever DNA that they're connecting themselves to, they're not all going to look the same. They're going to take the form more so of the, the creature that it connected to. So when I found that out, and I was like, "Wow, you look a lot like Baraka, and you have like the the blades yeah. in your arms." And now I was like, "Holy fuck, you're the combination of a Xenomorph and Baraka," and for me that like really spiraled me, where it's like, "Holy fuck, like these things are more complex than I thought." Past like the smaller mouths inside of their mouths, right, and right. the acid blood, yeah, yeah. Because even so, like with uh, Alien versus Predator, even though that was not a good movie, no. Um, you have that stinger at the end as well yeah. where it's like the, the xenomorph pops out of the chest and it's got like the mouth like the predator. And I was like, that's weird. Like you kind of fucked up on that design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then looking back on it, it's like, oh, because they're combined. Right. So it's almost kind of like the perfect life form. And he came up with this whole thing. Yeah. Which is exactly why in 2007 he won the Science Fiction Hall of Fame Award. Well deserved. Yes. Like he he deserves to be in that yeah. Uh, Is that all you
0: got? I do, yeah, <laughs> pretty
1: much. Um, I just really enjoy Ridley Scott's
0: work. Yeah, I mean, I st- I, I don't. He didn't make my top five list, mm-hmm. but he's definitely a name that you know. It's anonymous. The, with yeah, the films. yeah, for sure. Like you can't not think of movies and not think of a Ridley Scott movie. I mean, I would argue that Alien. It's a ge- it's genuinely a horror film.
1: Yes, Alien. 1 is a fantastic horror film. Alien 2 or Aliens yeah is a great action movie which I honestly think is a little bit better because uh, I like the idea of like hordes of them. Yeah. Like hordes of the xenomorphs instead of just one that you're trying to get. Yeah. But you know, Alien itself like holds like it's synonymous with it. Yeah. And then Alien 3 Resurrection, I believe. That movie doesn't get a lot of love, but I really like that movie do a lot. You? Yeah, like Ron Perlman's in it. I, I there's something about it where it's like it's just really cool to me. You have like the weird xenomorph that has like a skull face at the end. Yeah,
0: that's all you got. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, I do
1: have like a quote that ahead, he go. said in interviews, which yeah. I thought was really really cool. Where he said, "I'm a movie maker, not a documentarian. I try to hit the truth."
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, and that's what he does. That's like a good. D- that's a good little little nugget yeah,
1: yeah. He, he really just makes stuff that he thinks will resonate well with the audience yeah and i like that about him
0: cool awesome so that is our number fives yes uh next week we'll be back with number four yes um so i have a recommendation Ooh. <laughs> sorry if that was really annoying but uh <laughs> my my ooh or your pen snacking my pen, my pen hitting
1: i can make something more annoying don't, to, do, like, it. don't do it drown it out don't
0: do it Hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so I have a recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been watching a YouTuber for probably about two years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Nerdwriter One. I have to imagine <laughs> okay. that I have <laughs> to imagine that Nerdwriter just Nerdwriter <laughs> alone. <was> no, <laughs> I have to imagine that Nerdwriter was taken. So Nerdwriter 1, he went with. But mm-hmm. he makes some of my favorite youtube videos ever uh and basically all he does is he kind of just takes history and art and economics and finances and just everything and he boils them down to like digestible little like 15 minute like that's even like a long video for him he normally kind of sits between like the six minute to like 12 minute range of movies and I found him because – so one of I, – I my I really, really love neoclassical painting. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't know, like, that style of art, just Google it, uh, and you'll see at least the style. Um, and one of my favorite paintings ever is called The Death of Socrates. Yes. And uh, he – I found him because he did a video basically called uh, – I think it's called, like, Understanding Art, and mm-hmm. then it's The Death of Socrates – and it's kind of like he does, like, case studies, kind of, of how of how to interpret art. Like, what are you looking at? Why are you looking? What it means? And he kind of goes into, like, the artists, who they were, blah, 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 blah. And he kind of just kind of makes the whole thing kind of feel whole. Mm-hmm. Because he even breaks down, like, Picasso paintings. Like, I'll be honest, right? Like, I want to understand art. I, mm-hmm. I like going to museums. And I want to understand, like, really abstract, weird stuff. But... I don't know if it's just I'm not intelligent. I don't know if it's what it is, but it's just like I don't like you look at like Picasso's weird like cubism stuff and you're just, yes. I'm just like I don't get it. I don't get it. And like he will take a Picasso painting and break it down and show you what you're looking at, why you're looking at it, what it could mean. You know, it's, at the end of the day, it's all its all kind of up for interpretation. Mm-hmm. But he, he does it in such a compelling way that it's just like, you know what, I feel like you're probably 100% right. Um, he does stuff like music and like how album covers became a thing. And mm-hmm. like he, he does everything. Like he—like there isn't a subject that he probably hasn't covered mm-hmm. um, that you somebody out there will find something interesting. So yeah, I don't know. He's just one of those guys that every time he comes out with a video, I'm I'm always gonna watch it. He does. I th- he's pretty active. He kind of does like the one video a week, maybe two videos a month, okay. in like that range. Um, but you know, kind of like that's similar like to the person that you said, that YouTuber that breaks down. Oh, Super Eye Patch Wolf. Yeah, so that guy, it's he, you know he you you said that he does like thirty minute videos mm-hmm. or whatever. It's a lot of detail, yeah. a lot of you know, and there's a lot of research that goes into the into you know that. He also does a lot, a lot of detail and a lot of research, but he breaks it down and he does it a little bit in a shorter amount of time. He doesn't; he he just doesn't do it. He does; he's not giving you half hour, forty five minute long videos. So I think that they're a little bit more easily digestible. Yeah. But um, he still gets a lot of knowledge, and he, he and he just teaches you a lot in a short amount of time. And, you know, he's not really dry. He's actually, like, pretty funny. He, like, in- incorporates, like, like, little bits of humor and, what, and whatnot into his videos. So, yeah, that's my recommendation. Nerdwriter1 on YouTube. Find it. Find him. Tell, mm-hmm. him, tell him Frank sent you. <laughs> he doesn't know who I am, but. Tell him Leon Neeson sent him. <laughs> uh, and that's it, guys. Cool. So, number five, Robert Eggers. Number five, Ridley Scott. Yep. If you don't know their movies, go watch them. Yeah. You'll yeah. like them. I think so. I only have, you know, Robert Rogers only has two movies, so you can watch those. If you had to maybe pick like three to choose from, what would you say?
1: Uh, I would say Alien, number one, uh, Blade Runner, and I'd say Hannibal.
0: Cool. All right, so those are your recommendations, Mm -hmm. Zach. Thanks, appreciate it. You're welcome, Frank. Uh, take us out, Zachary. Cool. Thank you guys
1: for listening. Now, Frank, roll the credits.